For those who are new to us, I am uh, Tim, one of the pastors here, and it's my uh, privilege this morning on Resurrection Day to open up God's Word for our meditation and joy. So I want to invite you, if you have a Bible uh, or some kind of device, uh, to find Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, about midway through the New Testament, Philippians chapter 3. And I'm going to read just a few verses, starting in verse 20, understanding that we are uh, breaking into some context and further teaching by the Apostle Paul. I want us to to focus, beginning in verse 20, down through chapter 4 and verse 1. Philippians 3 and verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Therefore, my brothers, my sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. This is God's wonderful word. Lord, please bless it to our hearing here today. In Jesus' name. Amen. I have but one simple overarching point to make here today, and it is this. A firm faith needs a risen hope. A firm faith needs a risen hope. If you want your faith to be firm, to be steadfast, to stand strong and stable in this day, it needs a risen hope. A firm faith needs a risen hope. That is the teaching of this text. In order to see it, I want to call your attention simply to three aspects or elements of Christian hope that are taught in this text. There is the place we call home. There is the person we desire. And there is the promise we need. The place we call home, the person we desire, and the promise we need. Let's begin with the place we call home. Notice verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. Where does the Christian call home? Our home is heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. That's our homeland. That's our status, citizens of heaven. That's our joy. That's our destiny. That's our home. That's, if we're going to boast in the country, let us boast in this one. Our homeland, our country is heaven. 
If we are disciples of Jesus Christ, if you know and love the Lord Jesus, if you have trusted in Him as your Savior and as your Lord, then heaven is where you belong. And heaven is where we are going. I love the certainty of this. I love, and it it almost boggles the mind to consider this, how Paul talks about this. Our citizenship is in heaven. But wait, Paul, aren't we here on earth? Our citizenship is in heaven. But wait, Paul, don't we live in Philippi? No, our citizenship is in heaven. Don't we, don't we live in Drexel Hill or Prospect Park or, or Upper Darby or Philadelphia? No, our, our citizenship is in heaven. That's home. You ever been invited to an event or to some type of, of occasion and uh, have you ever asked the host of that, hey, can I come? And they, they say to you, you are in. You're in. But wait, I'm not there yet. Oh, you're in. You're in. You want to go to heaven if you believe in Jesus? You're in. You are in. It is Done. It is settled. Listen to the words of the same apostle in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3 and verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Listen to that. You have died. Your old life, who you were by birth, who you were by habit, who you were by choice, you, that life has died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, when Christ, who is your life, oh, hear that. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with Him in glory. He who is your life is going to appear. And when He does, you're going to appear with Him in glory. We, Paul continues, are seated with Christ at the right hand of God. Oh, my friend, especially if you're newer to the faith and have never quite wrapped your mind around what it means to be a Christian, what it means to have faith in Christ. The Bible teaches this, that when you come to faith in Christ, you are united to Him. You are in Him. That, that whatever he has, um, whatever is his now becomes yours. And heaven is his. Heaven is his. And so now you get it too. Our citizenship is in heaven. Oh, what a word to us as we live on in this broken world to know that this world is 
not my home. I'm just a passing through. Heaven, which is shorthand for the new heavens and the new earth, is home. And anywhere else and everywhere else that we might happen to stay is nothing but a hotel room. Heaven is home. We as Christians need to think about this place we call home much more than we do. May God give us grace from this Easter morning on to have our hearts set on heaven and on the home that awaits us. Number two, as we think about Christian hope, let's notice the person we desire. Not just the place we call home, but the person we desire. Verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Here is the person that we desire. Here is the one for whom we long. He says we await a Savior. This is not... This is not the awaiting that goes on in a dentist office. Not that kind of awaiting. This is, this is not some kind of passive awaiting. This is eager desire awaiting. This is the kind of awaiting that happens when a young man and a young woman are looking ahead to their wedding day. Only multiplied a thousand times. We are awaiting a Savior. Our eyes are on the skies. We are looking. We are longing. Paul says in Romans 8, we are groaning for, groaning for the day when our eyes behold the risen Jesus. We long to see Him. Not with faint hope, not with wishful thinking hope, but with certain hope because Easter happened. He is alive. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And because He is risen, He is alive forevermore. And He is reigning in glory. And He is returning for us. Paul says we await a Savior. There are many reasons Many reasons to long for heaven. Many reasons to long for heaven. I, I long for heaven so I can just have a new body. I'm tired of this one. I long for a better one. I long for heaven because I, I long to see my dad and mom who loved Jesus. Loved Him right through death into glory. I can't wait to see Dad and mom, I can't wait to live in a place where justice prevails and healing happens and peace is sustained and harmony is perfect. But as much as I long for all those things, they do not even begin to compare to my longing to see one face. Above all faces, I want to see Jesus. Because, yeah, my dad and mom are going to be in heaven, but Jesus is getting me there. He is the Savior. He is our Savior. He is our beloved one. He is the one, amen, He is that one who loved us and gave Himself for us. 
He is the one who fought the powers of hell when all of hell was unleashed against him on the cross and in the tomb. He fought off the forces of darkness and he conquered. He is the one who paid it all and paved the way. We await a Savior. There is a place we call home, heaven. There is a person we desire, Jesus. And then third, there is a promise that we need. Verses 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Oh, dear ones, we could preach this text for the next six weeks. But He will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body. Apparently, while Jesus is our greatest desire and that one for whom we hope the most, apparently it's okay to want some other things too. Because Paul teaches us that not only are we awaiting Jesus, we are awaiting the The gift of a new body. So that in heaven, the new heavens and the new earth, we will have a new body. Let that sink in. Most people, I think when they think of heaven, they think of the the idea that somehow or other we're going to be floating in the clouds and and we're going to be like a, a bunch of caspers or something that are just kind of just kind of floating and you know maybe there's a few harps going in the background. No, no, we're going to get a new body. And we're going to live on in the new heavens and on the new earth, a radically transformed forever paradise. And our feet are going to be firmly planted on the ground. But it's going to be glorious ground and a glorious body. We need to, we need to think of heaven this way. It's much more appealing than Casper in the clouds. Let's think of it as it is going to be. This is what our Lord Jesus has gone to prepare for us. We know we have a never-dying soul. We know our spirits live forever. Friends, we need a body to go with it. And Jesus is preparing that for us. We're going to have a body, and it's going to be a changed body. In one sense, it's going to be this body changed. This mortal will be planted in the ground and immortality will emerge from it. This perishable will be put in a casket. But the imperishable and the immortal will break loose from that box. And this body will be changed. And changed how? Into a glorious body. How glorious of a body. Like His 
glorious body. Now, wrap your mind around that. Not only are we promised heaven, not only are we promised joys, not only are we promised a new body, but this body is going to be like the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is going to share in the glory of His glory. I don't know if you've ever really stopped to think about the body of Christ, the literal body. He still has a body. Read the book of Revelation. He will always have a body. What do we know about His glorified body? What do we know about His body right now? I can, I can give you five or six or seven things real quick. Number one, His body defeated death. His body triumphed over the grave. I'd say that's a pretty good start. Right. And that's promised to us. This body will defeat death. Number two, His body is 2,000 years old and counting. His body will never die. His body will live forever and ever. His body is ancient, but not old. Our bodies will last forever and never age. Number three, His body eats and drinks. He promises that we're going to eat of the bread and drink of the cup when we're at the banquet table with Him in glory. So His body eats and drinks. That means, again, it's not some kind of vague Casper thing. It's a real body with real food and real drink and real pleasure and real delight. His body, our body. We know that His body can defy gravity. Interesting. He ascended. He ascended. I don't know what to make of that, but sounds pretty cool. Sounds wonderful. His body blazes with glory. Read John, uh, Revelation 1 and see the glory of the risen Christ whose countenance, whose face is like the noonday sun. And realize that these bodies are going to be changed. So much changed that the first thought that people will have when they look at us is, wow. Wow. Look at him. Look at her. This body is going to be glorious. And finally, His body bears the scars of a battle fought and won. His body bears the scars of a battle fought and won. Do you recall after Jesus was raised from the dead and Thomas was doubting the resurrection. What did Jesus say to Thomas? See my hands and my feet. His glorified, renewed, changed body still had the scars. In Revelation 5, we read that He is the Lamb 
who looked as if he was a lamb that had been slain. There will be the marks on Christ of the battle he fought on the cross and the battle he won. I don't know, but I tend to believe that we will have some scars there too. Now his scars will be more precious than all others because it will be a perpetual, eternal reminder of how we got there. But dear ones, scars, scars are not bad things. Scars can remind you of battles fought and battles won. In this room, how many battles have been fought? And how many battles won? Through the power of the risen Christ. Will we in heaven, like Jesus, have scars? I do not know. I almost hope we will. Reminders to us of the battles we had to fight, but the grace that He gave to win in the battle. If not, we still have this. He is the Lamb slain. Check the marks on His hand. Behold, we already sang this today. Crown Him the Lord of love. Behold His hands and side. Rich wounds, yet visible above, in beauty glorified. Wounds and scars, visible yet above, in beauty glorified. On that day, we will look on His body and be amazed, and we will look at His hands and at His feet, and we will be humbled, and we will be forced with joy to sing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. For He has ransomed us out of every tribe, every language, every tongue, every nation, and has made us a kingdom of priests unto our God. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. So, so what's the point of all of this? A firm faith needs a risen hope. You need this risen hope that we've talked about in order to have a firm faith. You say, Tim, where do you get that? Look at verse 1 of chapter 4. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord my beloved. Firm faith. Stand firm. But notice the first word, therefore, my brothers. That is, in light of the hope that I've just described, the place we call home, the person we desire, and the promise that we need, therefore, stand firm. Whatever is coming at you, whatever may be the struggles, whatever may be the hardships, stand Firm. A firm faith needs a risen hope. We need to stand firm. We can stand firm because we have a risen hope. We have a place we call home. 
We have a person we so desire. And we have a promise that we all very much need. Therefore, and now this is me talking, not Paul. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, stand firm. Don't quit. Don't look back. Don't despair. Don't be discouraged. Don't give up hope. We have a place called home. We have a person for whom we are awaiting and we so much desire. And we have a promise that we so much need. Therefore, don't quit. A firm faith needs a risen hope. And we have that hope in Jesus. If you were here this morning and have never placed your faith, your hope in Jesus, then this, this can be your spiritual birthday. This, this can be that day when, when you are taken from darkness to light, from, from despair to hope, from guilt and shame to forgiveness and acceptance. This, this can be your day. Make it your day. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Believe that He actually died for your sins to take away the punishment you deserve for those sins and that He came back to life and that He is alive today and coming back. Believe this and Jesus says you will be saved. You will be forgiven of every sin. You will be guaranteed heaven. And you'll be given power in this life to live a transformed life for the glory of God and for the joy of your heart. You can do it right where you are right now, just in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, save me right now. I want you as my Savior. Let's pray. Father, all of this goes back to before time began when you set your heart on us and said that you wanted us to be your very own. So you sent your Son to die for our sins and you raised Him from the dead on the third day. You crowned Him Lord of all and then you invited us and you still invite us to follow Him and have life. What a wonderful God you are. And what an amazing Savior we have. May it be that no one, no one will leave this building today without making sure that they are trusting Jesus and believing in Him alone. Grant salvation to every heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.